The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. We're going to continue with the theme of Healthcare Insight, looking at the health of this country from various perspectives. I like to take some YouTube presentations that are very important but don't seem to get many eyeballs, if you will. And one of those is a whole series by uh, Pastor Corey Brooks, and he is sometimes called the uh, Rooftop Pastor. He is from the south side of Chicago, and he is trying to um, improve that area, which is filled with gangs and drugs and crime. And he runs a church there, but he's a very unusual individual in that he is a, a black uh, pastor that is very conservative. He understands that conservative values is what can help save that part of the community. And he wants to raise the awareness of those values by sitting on the rooftop of one of the buildings in a tent for a 100 days and broadcasting his message of hope and opportunity and conservative values to a broader audience. What he ultimately wants to do is gather enough funds to build a a charter school in that community so that the kids have an opportunity for a real education, not the dismissive type of education, the incorrect in education that many of those kids are getting or no education that those kids really aren't getting just by going to a classroom and sitting there. They're not getting an opportunity to get ahead through what every American in the past has always found is the avenue to uh, getting out of poverty, to improving their lot in life, to improving their standard of living, and that is education. So I want to talk to um, uh, Pastor Corey right now and ask him some questions because he is a conservative, and many of the questions that surround him from his local community is the idea that he openly says he believes in the conservative values. So tell us about that question and how you address it, uh, Pastor. And the question is, how did you become a conservative? And I always tell the same story, how I was at Ball State University majoring in political science, and I never will forget, it was a political science 101 class, my first political science class, where the professor put a bunch of viewpoints on the, on the board. On one side, he had views of conservatives. On one side, he had views of liberals. But you didn't know that because he had them covered up and they were switched. The conservative views were on the right. The, I mean, the liberal views were on the right and the conservative views were on the left. But we didn't know that because they were covered. And he began to go down the list. And he said, circle the ones or write the ones that you agree with. And after going through the list of thoughts and views, he uncovered the words. And there they were, conservative, liberal. And when I looked at it, I discovered that for the first time, I understood that my views were more, more aligned to being a conservative. But then the professor went on after a little dialogue and discussion of the views, and he said, if you are conservative and you hold these viewpoints, it is most likely that you align with the Republican Party. Whoa. If you hold these viewpoints, it's more likely the liberal viewpoints, you're aligned with the Democratic Party. 
And for the first time ever, I was challenged with being a Democrat. You know, Pastor, I'm not sure that you became conservative. I think the Democratic Party became far too liberal. I know that in my work environment, I worked for an insurance company that uh, I got the opportunity to go out into the black community uh, when our agents were knocking on doors, selling insurance policies, collecting premiums uh, from the minority community, something they called debit insurance back then. And they were the insurance man that was one of the few white people sort of uh, accepted and, uh, and expected to be in those communities. And in walking in those homes, I, this is in the 1960s and 70s. I saw two pictures that are in almost every home back then. One picture was of Jesus Christ. The other one was of John Kennedy. So this was in some ways before or just after Kennedy had been shot. But he was very friendly and accommodative to the black community and tried to break uh, areas like the um, Little Rock School uh, problems and the racial discrimination in the South, even before um, uh, 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 Lyndon Johnson uh, was so active in doing that as well. So the Democratic Party back then was different than the Democratic Party today. It was more conservative with the kind of values that you probably saw on that blackboard. But as we move forward here, why do you think, or what was the history of the black community that you grew up in and the idea that you're supposed to be voting Democrat? I had been taught all of my life, and I had seen it in my home, and that, that blacks are Democrats, and that's just the way that it is. But after looking at that board and staring, it set me on a path to try and discover what I really believe, not what they were forcing upon me or not what they were trying to demand for me to believe, but what at my core, in my heart, what did I really believe? And I discovered after four years of college at Ball State University, where I got a degree in political science, I discovered I'm conservative. Pastor Corey, I am sure that that discovery that you were conservative and that you being outwardly vocal in your preaching and the community, your own congregation, I'm sure, was kind of shocked at the way you would present your conservative values. So tell us a little bit about the backlash and the the pain or the uh, endangerment that you found yourself in as a black conservative Christian pastor pastor in a community that had such different uh, social perspectives that they still held on to the idea that if you're black, you have to be Democrat, even if they didn't recognize that those weren't their real values. But that discovery, let me tell you, has come with a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. Because see, here I am years later on the south side of Chicago and being a conservative on the south side of Chicago is not an easy thing to do. Especially when you are a black pastor, preacher in the community. I could tell you on and on about so many things 
that have happened to me just because I've declared I'm a conservative. Just because I said I vote Republican. So, Pastor, give us some examples. I know you said it wasn't easy. Um, you're kind of swimming upstream. You're in a community where you're um, trying to bring people to the Lord. At the same time, uh, the message from the social and political aspect is contrary to what your community uh, believes that they're supposed to do or the, the line that they're supposed to follow. So give us some specific examples of how the community reacted to you having discovered yourself that your own true values were conservative. And not that you would necessarily always vote Republican, but that's the way you would typically lean because that's the party that held to those values uh, that you held near and dear. So give us a little bit of background on what happened to you in your own church and in your own community. You wouldn't believe it, but let me tell you, I've been threatened so many times. Do you know that the unions even picketed my church and my house where I live? Do you know that there was a governor that I endorsed? Uh, he eventually won, the Republican governor, Bruce Warner. And when I endorsed him, do you know that my family was threatened so much that they had to move us to a place just to hide to protect my family because of all the death threats being a conservative has had a great price well, Pastor I know you're speaking from that rooftop during this 100 day period of trying to make a statement about what needs to be done to change the uh, south side of Chicago and around that church area that you're trying to improve our audience may be hearing some funny sounds in the background, but those are the sounds of the street of South Chicago, some of it um, ambulance noises, some of it police sirens, some of it other noises. So I hope our audience can sort of understand that we're speaking to you as you are actually uh, camping out on a rooftop. Uh, so as we sort of just accept that background noise, tell us more about your actual church. I mean, this is your baby that you're trying to grow, the people you're trying to reach. What happened to your church congregation and how did you stick to your own basic principles of you knowing who you were and after having gone through this deep thought, how did you hold to your faith inside of your values as well as your faith in Jesus? Do you not know that because I decided to say I'm a conservative and I'm a Republican and I'm not going to budge on it, I lost three-fourths of my congregation. I lost three-fourths of our budget just because I said I'm going to be conservative, that I hold conservative values. But here's the heartbreaking thing. Do you not know that most blacks hold conservative values but we have been so indoctrinated to believe that we most that we must vote democrat there is no other way i'm hoping and praying that my example of being steadfast and showing people that you can be different 
that you don't have to abide by the status quo. I'm praying that it will show people that you can stand on what you believe. So, here I am on this rooftop, a conservative black preacher on the south side of Chicago, trying to do the very best that I can possibly do for the people in our community, for the people in Chicago, and for our great country. And for that, I don't believe I have anything to be ashamed of. Well, Pastor, you certainly don't have anything to be ashamed of, and I'm sure our audience um, is excited about hearing a leading black member of the Chicago community where some of the worst dangers of street violence and crime and drugs and uh, liberal policies is destroying the black community, that you're speaking out and you're trying to make a difference there. So I want to come back because I know you've got some opinions as well on things like education and opportunities and how you actually would change some of that area that is so blighted in the um, South uh, Chicago area. Because if you can do it there, you can do it everywhere in the United States. So let's take a quick commercial break, and I want to come back with Pastor Corey Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearm liquidation service at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and... This program is Healthcare Insight. I want to continue with this discussion with Pastor Corey Brooks. He's a fascinating guy who's really kind of swimming upstream in his community, trying to promote conservative values, self-help, the things that can actually promote and increase the value of an education, of getting ahead, of taking advantage of opportunities. And uh, Pastor Corey, tell us more about exactly where you are. Our audience may not be familiar with this idea of your your 100-day mission of getting out the word and sort of a self-sacrifice to raise awareness of what's happening in your community. So tell us where you are as we're uh, asking these questions. I'm still here. That's right. Right here on this rooftop for 100 days on the south side of Chicago on the block that has notoriously been called O-Block. O, after a young man named O.D. Perry who was shot and killed, the gangs picked up the name and started calling it O-Block. I decided I'm going to keep the O, but we're going to turn it into Opportunity Block. So I'm on this roof in this tent for 100 days to bring about the awareness and the attention to the violence that we experience every single day in Chicago. 
Well, Pastor, I know that the awareness is an important part of your messaging to reach as many people as possible about the changes necessary in that community. But I know that there's something very specific that you have in mind about what you want to do after you raise that awareness and hopefully raise some funds as well to do what? What is your ultimate plan here, at least the starting plan, uh, to reach your ultimate goal of really making a change, making a difference in that part of Chicago? But also to build a community center to help transform the lives of people. Every day I wake up with a thought, an idea, a solution, and I'm grateful to talk about those things on these rooftop revelations we call. I woke up with a thought. And I've been thinking about it all day. Pastor, I can't wait for your ideas. You have been so on the target every time you come up with these revelations in your sleep that you bring forward to the audience. So tell us what this is all about and what kind of uh, vision, what kind of examples do you have to show us the value of what I think you're going to get into um, one of your hot topics for a long time has been education. Tell us about that vision that you had of what's going on in Chicago and surrounding areas that has brought this idea uh, of improving education, of building a charter school in your area. Close to Chicago, there's a suburb called Oak Park. And in Oak Park, they decided to get rid of the academic achievement classes they decided to get rid of the honorary honor uh, honor classes in order that they could they said um, close the gap between black students and white students their idea of closing the gap is lowering the standard and thus they say equaling the playing field Pastor, when you hear that kind of change going on in some of the schools around the area trying to bridge or close that educational gap between whites and blacks, does that fit in to that list of conservative values that you learned at Ball State? Does that fit into what you think will be a real solution uh, to the educational problem of people in your community? What I want to tell you right now, I think that is insane. Because what you're really saying is that black people can't achieve, that that black people are not smart enough, that there's no way we could close the gap on our own. So we need your help to lower the standards for us. And that's the last thing we need. Well, Pastor, I couldn't agree more personally but I know across this country, the idea of getting rid of standards of lowering the bar for everybody, kind of make everybody equal at a lower level, seems to be a philosophy of the liberal educators that don't want to show that some people get ahead through meritocracy. They're studying harder. They're learning more. They're spending more time on their academics. Uh, others spend more time in other ways. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's the arts. Maybe it's a drama, maybe it's sports, but the idea that in the academic world uh, that the black community can't achieve, so let's just lower the standards, I think has been disproven in so many different ways over the years. 
And so what do you think is needed uh, if you recognize that that is not the answer for your community and your parishioners? We need to make sure that we have education that sets the standard for all of us to meet. So what do we need to do? Invest in education at early ages and early stages. We need to make sure that our children are learning the things that all kids are learning. We need to make sure, that's the reason why, as a matter of fact, I promote school choice because I really do believe that sometimes the public school system is failing our children and we as parents should have a choice to choose for our kids the school that is right for our kids. Not because they're assigned to a neighborhood and not because they're assigned to a certain zip code and even though that school may be low performing, your child still has to go there? No, absolutely not. Pastor, I think you've even said in the past in other presentations that you believe that school choice, charter schools, opportunity schools, whatever you want to call them, are really the civil rights issue of the current day, that without improving the schools, without improving education, uh, the people at the bottom that have the fewest choices, that don't have the economic ability to send their kids off to school someplace for a better education, to separate themselves from public education that's failing them, that it is the people at the lower end and more people of color that are mostly affected. So why don't you summarize this and say, what is it that the parents deserve out of all of this? We should have the right as parents to choose the right schools for our children. And the last thing we need is for you to lower our standards. No, we need to meet the standards. We need to achieve like everybody else. And together, we can do that by making sure that our children are accountable, just like all children are accountable. Well, praise the Lord, Pastor. I think an awful lot of people would agree with you that uh, the current bureaucracy, the current educational system, the current teachers unions have kept good education from the black community for far too long. And that the idea of school choice, of school opportunity for parents to make some decisions for the benefit of their own children, for the benefit of the future generations to break the cycle of poverty is so important these days. But it's very difficult to do. And some people put up sort of straw man type arguments that you set up um, school choice. Uh, how are the children in that community that you live in, how are they going to get a uh, bus to a place that might be far away, but they still think of maybe existing charter schools from other communities, when the reality is you're talking about building a charter school, a, a, an option to public education in your own community so that you can help and the parents can help to deliver the message of the education of trying to help those kids uh, get ahead in their own community. So there's not any talk there of having to bust people away. You certainly could take people in your own community and give them options, just like many people in other more affluent communities have choices of public or private schools, but within the same driving distance in the same uh, neighborhoods. So that kind of argument kind of falls flat. Pastor, give me your thoughts about the achievement gap. You've given some ideas of what you would do, but tell me a little bit more. Tell our audience a little bit more about 
uh, the achievement gap as you see it. Personally, I care far more about educating the child than what color he or she is. That's because a poor black child and a poor white child have far more in common than a poor black child and a rich black child. But let's put that aside. I will address this black-white achievement gap because it needs to be addressed. Lately, I've seen some of the most insane ideas come from the left on how to close the gap. Up north, just above Chicago, there's a town called Evanston. In their school district called District 65, only 30.6% of black students met the college readiness benchmark in reading, as opposed to 83.7% for white students. In math, the gap was even wider. Horrible numbers, but what was even more horrible were the proposed solutions. Pastor, I understand that that school district could not find any rational reasons for the um, disparity in those numbers that you just shown. And so they start blaming it on historical issues of racism and the abuse of the black community. They certainly didn't look at the abuse of the black community by our political class, which did not provide for a good education in those areas that needed the most. So how do you interpret all this? Where do we go from here, given that the school district itself won't face the reality of what the problem is of parent involvement, of school choice, of the things that you want to see done? How do we, how do we address this? They gave money to outside racial justice organizations to talk about these things like white privilege. I say it's all hogwash. It's insanity. Worse, what's even worse is that they're setting up black kids to fail even more. And that's the real crime. That's the crime that needs to be talked about. What will close the gap is simple. A true and honest and vigorous education. In this light, good public charter schools are the very way forward. We have seen them close the gap in New York City and elsewhere. Success Academy and Eva Moskowitz is just one example. They can fire the bad teachers. They can correct wayward students. They are not bound by ineffective racial injustice issues. The good charter schools are not concerned with meaningless optics, but with educating kids. This is not a mind-blowing situation, but I will say this. We have grown so weak as Americans that we allow this kind of racial justice idiocy to undermine our kids' education. We need to all step up and say enough is enough. I know I have to. I'm on the South Side where racism is the least of our problems. Education is one of our biggest problems. And that's why I'm fighting so hard to educate these kids and why it's my goal to open a charter school within Project Hood Community Center. It will happen. It must happen. Our kids need to have a fighting chance and they need to have someone fighting for them every single day. That's the reason why I promote school choice. I believe it's the best way go, to go and I believe it's the best way for our children. Pastor Corey Brooks, thank you for your very powerful words and messages about education and your thoughts and how even areas that are such crime-ridden, drug-infested areas Poverty um, throughout the uh, South Chicago area, how we really can address in a logical, conservative, impactful way how we can help the lives of those kids on the South Side of Chicago. 
what we've been doing is failing. You know that. I know that. And there's nothing to be lost by trying something different. And I applaud you for that. Let's take a quick break. And I want to come back and I want to continue to get your thoughts on other areas and other solutions that can improve the lives of the minority community in South Chicago. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to this third session of America's Web Radio, and the program is Healthcare Insight. And today we are talking with Pastor Corey Brooks of the south side of Chicago, one of the worst blighted areas, the biggest crime area, and he's got a church there, and he's trying to make a difference. And he's bringing conservative values to the forefront to say, here's how we can change this, that what we have done up to this date, following big government policies, uh, welfare programs, hasn't helped our youth. Our gangs are taking control, uh, violence in the community, uh, fatherless homes, all those things are affecting uh, the black community more than any other community. And he's stepping forward and saying, enough is enough. And I want to talk to him today about the youth in that area. But first, I want to ask them a question for those who haven't been listening maybe to the previous sessions. Why are you doing this? Why am I doing it? I'm trying to bring about awareness to crime that is going on every single day. And also, specifically, to raise funds to build a community center in a neighborhood that desperately needs it. Pastor, those are obviously very laudable goals, and I wish you well in achieving them. Clearly, that community needs something different, a different voice, somebody reaching out to them where they have a need, and a community center certainly would change the dynamics in that part of the community with your leadership. Tell the audience here what some of the biggest concerns are that you see in the current day life of the kids that's really troubling you. It's this thing called smash and grab. It's where these kids get together and they run into department stores or other stores that have any type of material that's worth something of value. They smash the glass and they take it. Well, when you have youth smashing glass and stealing $2 million worth of stuff, that's a sign that the glue holding our society is definitely 
definitely weakening. It's a sign of what I want to call, and Eli Steele calls, bad faith. Well, Pastor, I certainly couldn't agree more with you that it, uh, it's a breakdown of uh, a moral code. It's a breakdown of civility. It's a breakdown of thinking about the impact on others and not taking responsible actions on your own part. It's a lack of conscience. But you talk about as being bad faith is another way to describe it. Give our audience a little bit of an interpretation of what bad faith means to you. Bad faith means one doesn't have faith in society. In bad faith, uh, the world, uh, they don't trust it anymore. It's, it's every man, every person for themselves. And that's what we're seeing in our youth, especially here in Chicago. Pastor Corey, this breakdown in society, where does it begin so that you would know where to try to solve the problem? Or does it matter where it begins, just that we need to look at moving forward with trying something different, with trying to reach people where they are, with the problems that they're addressing, with the poverty and the crime and the drugs? Where did all this start? Does it begin in the home? Does it begin with poor educational systems? Or does it begin with government dependency? Well, at this point, we can debate where the problem was created, but we're beyond debates right now. We know the glue holding society has weakened to the point that we're seeing these ridiculous headlines every day about crime. And all I know is that we need to do our very best to restore the good faith in our society. So, Pastor Corey, you talk about bad faith, but what is good faith? How do you see making the kind of changes to create this social compact of good faith and believing in themselves and the future and the community um, in the American dream and opportunities? How do we create the good faith? Good faith is to give our youth something to to care about, to believe in. And the problem right now is that our kids have nothing to believe in. They see failure everywhere. That's why we at Project Hood are trying to raise money to build this community center. It's a way of showing these kids who didn't choose to be born here that there is definitely definitely a better life that society cares about them that their neighbors care about them that their families care about them with that good faith we can restore the goodwill and respect in our society we simply have no other choice or the headlines are going to get worse my goal is to restore that good faith well, Pastor Corey, I know that in trying to bring young people back into the fold to have a conscience, to have a trust in the system, to have trust in themselves, to uh, look for an American dream opportunity that, that, that they can only uh, wish would happen in their community, and they don't feel that very close to that. I know that you have been very big on the idea of equality, of opportunity, not equality of outcomes. 
Can you give us a little bit of the perspective of why uh, that is so important and what you want to talk about uh, uh, during this segment? Today, I want to talk about the equality of opportunity. Today, the argument for equality of outcome is all the rage. Institutions across America are lowering the standards so that we can all be equal in the end. But you know what that really means. We're all equal on the bottom. That's not what we're fighting for on the South Side and in other impoverished neighborhoods across America, whether they be brown, black, or Asian, whatever. If equity is what we're fighting for, then we may all, we may as all well as lay down and give up because there is no American dream without the equality of outcome. That's why we're fighting so hard for equality of opportunity. Pastor Corey, again, you're focusing so much on the South Side of Chicago that is in desperate need of something different. What has happened over the last 60 years? What is it that people don't see that live in the communities where they have so much government control for almost any part of their life? There's lots of government agencies in that area, but life has not gotten better. What is it that people in that area maybe just don't see, don't want to see? Uh, They're blind to the forces that keep them in Uh, that community in the poverty, in the uh, family structure that's been broken down? What is it that people in those communities really need to awaken to? See, what very few people realize on the South Side is that since the 1960s, our government, post-60s liberalism, has made us an experiment in this pursuit for equality of outcome. Our community is literally government-controlled. We have every form of government assistance available from housing, food, medical care. The outcome after 60 and 70 years of this is that we are all equal on the bottom. The American dream is very dim for where I sit. Pastor Corey, that is very insightful on your part. And I know you're trying to do what you can in that community to raise awareness that government is not the solution, that the solution has to come from within this equality of opportunity, but there aren't many opportunities in those areas. Businesses have been run out. Um, schools are bad. You've talked about education and other uh, answers to questions that I've, I've thrown out there. So um, what do you do? And, and, and you can't just blame government, can you? I mean, it's not just about the federal government or the state government, but certainly that is sort of a, a drug, an opium, if you will, that dulls the senses on what opportunities could exist for people in uh, your community and communities like you. And certainly South Chicago, because Chicago's in the news of all the killings and shootings and the death and destruction that's going on in those communities, this is where gangs are formed because they need some form of safety. So what is it in your mind that is the cause of the problem? At the end of the day, is it government or is it something else? Can you give us your perspective? We can blame the government, the post-60 liberalism, as we want to. But the sad thing is that we in this community allowed it to happen. What is even worse is that we have had generations after generations born into this world. And this is all they know. Just like the world is all you know, we have to educate them to understand that this is not acceptable. We also have to educate them to know that the change is possible. We come from a proud people. 
who survived the worst of American horrors, and we can reverse the conditions in our neighborhoods. The first thing we must accept is that government has no interest in the ability to fix the damage it did to our communities. We must do it ourselves. This is why I've made it my mission on the south side of Chicago to fight the equality of opportunity. So, Pastor Corey, you clearly identified the issue of just educating people in that area as to what the opportunities really should be. And, you know, those who say just, you know, that community, I just pull itself up by the bootstraps. Uh, but the problem is they may not have any boots. So how do you do that in a community? How, what's the change in the mindset? What should be the, the demands and the requests of people in that community? Because I know uh, having grown up in a community that uh, doesn't have those problems, that if those problems existed, uh, the community leaders we get together and make certain demands around police protection, around better schools, around whatever it took to clean up the area, to get rid of gangs, to get rid of violence, to identify the troublemakers in the area. What is it that you're saying that that community should really do using those conservative values that you've expressed before in this uh, hour of our discussion? What is it that the community really needs to be awakened, and what are you trying to do to get them to make certain demands and requests? The fight begins with ourselves. American history is full of people who say things don't have to be the way they are. We must fight for the change. Today, on the South Side, we must add to that legacy. If our public schools are not equal to schools on other neighborhoods, then we must hold our educators accountable. If crime makes us too afraid to go out, then we must fight for the right to protect ourselves. And we must also break the codes of the street and help the police rid the neighborhoods of those keeping us down from the almighty dollar. I could go on and on, but you get the point. The pursuit of equality of opportunity begins with us. We must awaken our spirit. We must take the first step and we must have we must be taking the first step for years. Project Hood. We've been taking those steps. We've been helping countless of people pursue the path of equality opportunity. To, be, to succeed, pursuing equality, the outcome. That is why we must pursue the equality of opportunity with everything that we have. It is our daily hope, our universal hope. That is why we strive so desperately to make sure that we have the equality of opportunity. Pastor Corey Brooks, your words of wisdom, I hope, ring out throughout Chicago and throughout the country. I think you have hit on some core issues and core solutions that are tangible, that can be implemented in your community and communities across this country. I hope more people will listen to this. And I want to do one more segment to pick your brain, to get more thoughts on what it is you're doing, what you're trying to do, and some of the solutions that you have been offering up. So if our audience will stay with us, for one more segment, we'll be right back after this commercial message. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. 
I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearm liquidation service at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at firearm liquidation service at outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio. Today we are talking with one of the most fascinating uh, leaders in the South Chicago side, uh, Pastor Corey Brooks. He is a pastor of a church that's in one of the most devastated areas of crime, of drugs, of alcoholism, of poor education, of gangs. The shootings that you hear about, he has to deal with handling family uh, funerals for his congregants out there because there's so much going on in his community that none of us would want to have uh, in our community and certainly not the kind of impact on families. Uh, We wouldn't want that for our own family. So I want to continue with this final segment on getting some words of wisdom uh, from uh, Pastor Corey. And I call him Pastor Corey because that's the term of affection uh, in talking to pastors, at least in, in my world. So um, rather than Pastor Brooks, I call him Pastor Corey uh, because he is a fascinating guy who has got some different ideas about how to deal with the kinds of poverties that we see in areas like uh, Chicago. Now, going back to um, uh, Pastor Corey, I, I know that you get a lot of feedback Uh, many times negative feedback about what it is you're doing, but tell us what you're doing and then some of the the naysayers, if you will, the problem people out there that are just telling you you can't do what you're trying to do. Give us a perspective of how difficult this task really is for what you're trying to do, both monetarily and socially, the feedback and negativism that you've experienced. We're trying to build a community center that costs upward of $35 million, and we're going to do it. And today, I got a thought from an email. And the email, I surmise it, just basically went something like this. Who do you think you are? Don't you think $35 million is too much for a sinner? And don't you know you can't save everybody? And I realized at that moment, everybody isn't for you. Everybody isn't going to cheer for you. Everybody isn't going to applaud you. There are going to be times when people are just outright haters and they don't want the best for you or the community. And you can let that stop you or you can let it motivate you. So, Pastor Corey, how do you deal with that kind of negative impact when you know in your heart you're trying to do good for your community you're trying to do good for the youth in that community, for the mothers that have to worry about their children's health and safety. 
how do you respond or react when you get that kind of of negativism sort of thrown at you like who are you and why do you think you can do this and you know let the government do it but you know that the government uh, has failed in the past and has not for 60 years uh, changed the dynamics or the family prospects for those people who live in those communities so how do you deal with it because it must be aggravating as soon as I read that email I was a little downtrodden until I remembered a story about an old man who was walking along the seashore and all of these starfish, thousands upon thousands upon thousands had washed up on the shore. And this old man was walking down the seashore, picking them up one at a time, throwing them back in the sea, picking them up one at a time, throwing them back in the sea. This person saw him doing it and they said, who do you think you are? You're a stupid old man. What do you think you're doing? All of those starfishes walked, have washed up on the, uh, on the, on the, on the, on the shore. And who do you think you are? You can't save all those starfish. And the old man looked at him and said, you know what? You're right. But at least I can save this one. And that's kind of how I feel about it. We may not be able to save everybody on the south side of Chicago. We may not be able to impact everyone's life. But there are some people that we're going to reach. There are some lives that are going to be changed. And even if it's just that one little boy who's without a father, that one little boy who's looking for guidance, even if it's just that one little girl whose mom has been lost in the world and she finds herself troubled trying to find her way, we'll save just that one. Pastor Corey, I want to... Uh have this audience get a chance to understand exactly what you're doing up there and what this center is all about. Now, I know you're in the Windy City, you're on top of a hotel in a tent. Um, I know you may have a a fire pit around to keep you warm, but um, as we go into a little bit of discussion about the actual project uh, that you're talking about, Project Hood, Have you ever thought about doing this not so much in the cold, windy city of Chicago in the middle of the winter, maybe uh, maybe doing it during the summertime? Well, you know, I think more people pay attention to what I'm trying to do and uh, we can bring more awareness to the violence that's going on in Chicago around the world. And and that's what's really important. And and on top of that, we really need to get this community center built. Okay, fair enough. Um, You probably get. Uh, more attention because you're actually having to go through some discomfort and some pain by doing it in the wintertime. But I want to talk now about this Project Hood. And um, as I understand it, Project Hood stands for Helping Others Obtain Destiny. So it's this whole idea of an opportunity society you're trying to create within this area of of poverty and, and create an increase in awareness of what can be done and you're trying to be a mentor towards uh, the children, the youth, the teenagers in this area, the people who are looking for somebody to help them out. Tell us about what this project hood, this $35 million that you're talking about, what will it provide? What what services, what facilities will it do uh, that aren't already available in that community? Um, give us a little bit of that detail, if you would, please. 
So the community center is going to be, uh, we call it, it's, a, it's an entrepreneurial school. It's a, a place for trauma counseling. Uh, we have music and arts. We have a swimming pool. We have basketball. Uh, we have a trade school. It, it's a myriad of things that we believe are needed um, to help our community transform and help individuals take responsibility for their lives to, and change the trajectory of their lives. So we have a, a lot of programs that are going to be there, our violence prevention program. And I'm really excited that we're going to have four restaurants in there as well. So, Pastor Corey, tell our audience again, I know you've um, been trying to raise, you mentioned several times, $35 million. How how far along are you in that, and how are you trying to raise that money through corporate donations, personal donations? Um, how is all that progressing uh, to date as um, as we sit here today? So we're looking to raise uh, $35 million is what it's going to cost. Uh, we have about $7 million in uh, commitments and money. Some funds have already been turned in. Uh, so we have a still, we have a very, very long way to go. And since I've been on the roof uh, for, I think this is day 16 now, uh, we're at about 350000 So we have a long way. Okay. So tell our audience how all this works. You're sitting up on a rooftop. Um what can you do in terms of you just stay there? You stay there all night? Do you come down? Do people come up and visit? What do you do for bathroom breaks? What do you do for emergencies that uh, might occur? Um, family issues? Um, tell our audience how difficult this actually is because it is so important to you. You want to make a statement, and you're putting yourself on the line for this because you have a daily job of being a pastor in a church. So how does all this work? Yeah, there's no coming down, no coming down for breaks, no coming down for bathroom, no coming down for anything. Um, unless there's an extreme emergency like we had on Saturday, there was a double funeral. A young man was killed and his mother was killed two days later. Uh, we performed that funeral. That was the only reason why I came down. But any, unless there's something like that, I, I'll, I'm going to be on top of the roof and I'm not coming down for anything. Well, Pastor Corey, you obviously are putting yourself out there and you're making uh, noises that are being heard and I want to commend you for that. Um, isn't there just a lot of violence in this area that you're trying to address as well? Absolutely. There's a lot of violence and, and a lot of people are being impacted. But I just believe we can do something about it. I believe we can turn it around. I, I'm not uh, pessimistic like some to believe that uh, the violence will never stop in Chicago. I believe it will stop. And that's one of the reasons why I'm on the roof. And that's one of the reasons why we issued a CEO challenge that a lot of CEOs are, are coming to the roof and helping us out. And we, we really appreciate that. So, Pastor, we only have a few minutes left. Can you tell our audience a little bit about, you know, what your day is like up there? I know. Uh, we've been talking here, and you've been giving me feedback on your ideas and your thoughts for this uh, new center. You've described the details of the center, but are there people coming up to you? You mentioned CEO Challenge. Are there uh, CEOs? Are there influencers, if you will, people trying to reach out so that you can reach your financial goals, providing uh, some emotional support for your cause and the direction you're going in? Um, tell us a little bit about sort of what your day is like uh, when you're up there on the roof. So our day is um, filled with the guests who are scheduled to come. Uh, those who are scheduled to come, we try to use their network and their influence um, to reach out to donors and send emails. We spend a lot of time doing that. However, there are people who pop up who were not scheduled and drop off donations, and we really appreciate it. And we just try to make the most of it, but we try to make sure that everything is scheduled. Well, Pastor Corey Books, it is 
been a pleasure to talk to you, to hear what you're doing with uh, Project Hood, the good that can come out of this, both as an example to other parts of Chicago, other downtown areas and major metropolitan areas, um, a lesson for people across the country, a lesson on how uh, a, a feeling of optimism, a feeling of love for your community can make a difference. And I know that this has been a long-term uh, dream of yours. So tell us about that, that you started about 10 years ago, as I understand. So let's wrap up with you describing a little bit about the journey that you've been going on for the last 10 years. So this isn't something you just decided 100 days ago to go on its rooftop. That's to bring some final awareness to this project that you want to kick off. But it's been in the works for about 10 years, and you've been doing programs in the meantime under this moniker of uh, Project Hood. So um, let's wrap up and tell our audience a little bit more about what you've been doing and how this project has been taking off. I always focus on our program. So we built our programs and they're going very, very well. Mm-hmm. However, we bought, we've started on uh, 10 years ago uh, trying to start on the plans to build a community center. And at that time, I didn't realize it would be so difficult and so hard to get plans together. Money, I thought people would just initially join on. But it takes a lot of time so, to get the plan. You have architects. And we have a great architect. And, and get people on board. Um, to get donations, uh, because one of the things, too, we could have easily broke ground, but we don't want to be in debt. So our goal is to build a building debt-free so that we can invest all of our money in programs and people. Okay. Once again, Pastor Corey Brook, I want to thank you for all the effort that you're putting in, all of your heart that you're putting in, and all of the energy that you're gathering around yourself. You are truly a blessed man doing God's work out there. And I want anybody in this audience who wants to participate in any way and understand this a little bit more, then go to your website, projecthood.org, and find out all about the projects you're going and even how they might be able to contribute some of their time, talents, or treasures to your project. So to our audience out there, I want to thank you for listening to this. I hope you will join us again next week as we delve into an interesting and timely topic that I think you'll find fascinating. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.